I remember we were hungry for pasta. Wait, man. bitches, we're on. Okay, right, sorry. Right. Game plan. About, I was talking about pasta. hundreds and thousands and we have taken control of your radio station this is the podcast in which we talk about the songs that have been deemed hot enough to be in the triple j hottest 100 my name is david james young and i'm one of the four voices you're going to be hearing for the next hour or so joining me once again it's nathan harrison hi it's andrew mcdonald it is it's adam buncher hi hey guys david what's wrong look um this is Look, I, I just checked the schedule. We're we're doing the remix episode, right, right, and right, right. Like, so, so you thought because it was the remix episode that like you were going to be interrupted. You, you know, it, it happens quite a bit. Like this is about the seventh time in a row that this has happened. Yeah. And like because you always go to host, like you normally do, and then someone always business just as jumps usual, in. And, yeah. and then just suddenly air horns are everywhere, mm. and then Your girl talk plays, yeah. and th- there's a mutiny. Yeah, yeah, this is the furthest I've ever gotten to the into the intro. It really doesn't seem like it's happening this time, does it? No, I guess I guess we're not. Doing the remix this year. Oh well, that's the real remix. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) The greatest remix of all. Uh, Anyway, uh, so here we go. We are moving into the top five. This is the remix. Come on now. Come on now. I knew it. Bloody got him. (laughs) Got him a beauty. Had to do it to him. Yeah, yeah. You hate to see it. Hate to see it. (laughs) (laughs) You hate to see it. Yes, interrupted through the power of editing. Wow. I was saving it. Mm. I was doing that all along. It's the kind of interruption that comes a week later. <laughs> I don't remember being interrupted. <laughs> like that, those moments where you're um like in the shower and you're like, I really should have said that to him. I really should have said that. Yeah. Oh. When, when my yeah. boss said it's unreasonable for you to be doing this, and I meekly said I'm sorry, and you're like, I should have said, "Fuck you, boss." so eloquent in the yeah. moment? <laughs> <laughs> That's some real spirit of the staircase yeah. shit. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck you, boss. I am vaping in the office. <laughs> Gamers rise up! Gamers rise up! Oh, Wearing those shades inside and everything. <laughs> Alright, Adam Buncher, what yes. are we doing this week? We are remixing 1999. It's We're going to be, of course, the way it always happens, we've all picked a song from 1999 that... Would it be that we had our way that we could edit the uh, the 1999 <laughs> countdown? These are the yeah. these are the ways we would gaslight it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, gaslight anthems, if you will. This <laughs> is very good. Four four candidates to replace that Bob Marley remix. Yes, <laughs> in that exact same spot. Any of these songs could have gone in here, and the countdown would be much better. Yeah, yeah. that's that's a good way to put it. So the four of us have each picked a song um, going through. The big four emotions. We got something chill, something horny, something sad, and something silly. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is the things you need for a wedding. Sorry <laughs> was, uh, to, to just describe the uh, the emotional landscapes of your songs, but I think I hit it pretty, yeah, pretty you well. Did. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to start with chill because um, I think cool. that's a very good place to start. I think so, yeah, um, just ease into it. I'm wondering how many people are trying to like assign hosts to emotions right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which one is 100 hosts yeah, to yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> which is your, which is your uh, rising emotion. <laughs> well, just checking co-stars, just like, come on! <laughs> well, Andrew's moon sign is definitely chill for this year. Yeah, Andrew? the chillest yeah. dude we know. Mm. What have you got, dude? My vote for this uh, is Jim O'Rourke's Ghost Ship in a Storm. Ghost ship in a storm. <laughs> I could know My name is Jim O'Rourke. <laughs> Jim O'Rourke Morrison. 
Go see a woman! Chill song. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was uh, Jim O'Rourke, Ghost Ship in a Storm. That was um, taken from his 999 record, Eureka. Um, Jim O'Rourke, one of the most very interesting and perplexing discographies of the late 20th, early 21st century. He, um, mm. As you heard in that song, quite soft acoustic kind of orchestral pop there, but um, he's also worked across um, ambient music, drone music, noise rock. He played guitar in Sonic Youth for a while. yeah. Just an absolute polymath of different genres and instruments kind of thing. Um, yeah, so like his background was, I guess, kind of in kind of noise rock and experimental guitar music, but just in the late 90s, he released uh, one record of this kind of soft acoustic stuff and an EP of similar music called Halfway to a Three-Way, which is a great name. Wait, and- hang on. <laughs> one and a half people? Yeah. Uh... What, t- what half? That, that gets dark. Pick your poison. Gets dark really <laughs> yeah. quick. Um, <laughs> um, he later revisited this kind of music a couple of years ago, but um, in between he's um, done lots of experimental noise music with people like Swans. I, mm. I know him through work, his work with um, Japanese guitarist Kaiji Haino. He lives in Japan, doesn't he? Um, yeah. yeah. Oren Mbachi and Christian Fenners. That's yeah. certainly where I know yeah. him more from as well. And that's kind of like ambient spacey guitar mm. music like he's done various mm. stuff but in yeah. 99 kind of amongst fans there's like there's this one gem of a acoustic orchestral pop record called Eureka which this song is taken from well, so would uh, you say that it's the more accessible this or, is this is yeah. as accessible as he comes okay yeah by right. far yeah. right because I, I have to admit like I've heard you talk about Jim O'Rourke a lot and I don't think I've ever heard it yeah. and when I put this yeah. on I was expecting something way more experimental and <laughs> yeah. way more aggressive sorry <laughs> especially to... because no, it wasn't yeah. on Spotify and you had to send us a YouTube like, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, like, it's just like classic Andrew yeah. it's like oh, oh, it's, it. it's from Andrew we can't yeah. find it on Spotify <laughs> Wait, Andrew walks in with an 8 track and just like what's this oh it's my postal vote <laughs> 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 it's the, here's the, the wax cylinder you got to spin. <laughs> but yeah, this was my first exposure to Jim Rock solo as well. Like, I, I knew the stuff from Sonic Youth that you mentioned. Obviously, you know, with a very slow profile, like, I hadn't really delved much into his stuff. But then hearing this record, I was just like, oh, okay. Completely subverting these expectations. Just like, if this was any other person, yeah. I don't think you would like this sort of music. Well, th- th- I think this... To me, like this kind of thing as a lineage with, um, to a certain degree, like Leonard Cohen kind of guitar stuff. Yeah, and to yeah, a certain yeah. Oh, degree, yeah, um, like the finger picking nylon yeah. string stuff. Yeah, and like yeah, stuff yeah. of, um, the recently 
sorely, sadly departed, uh, like Silver Jews stuff. David Berman, David yeah, Berman, man. Yeah, rest in power. So tell me about the song. This is one of... I, I was trying to pick which song I wanted to pick from this record because I knew I wanted to pick one from this record. Are they all kind of like this? Yeah, some of them are instrumental. Some of them are quite okay. longer. Sure, um, sure. But, but it's, it's not as if, like, he's... Tripping between no, it's genres like, in the record. No, it's, 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 it's all okay. soft acoustic orchestral pop. Yeah, I just think this one, the way he's clearly having fun with the these kind of like like super steeped in irony lyrics, like it's just my luck. I get hit by a truck while carrying a cake, and like the last <laughs> the last one is that um. Yeah. It only figures that um, I ride my bike into wet cement, and as I'm thinking, the last thing I think is, "Did I pay my rent?" Like these kind of weird, yeah, cool. like, little poetic couplets that are just kind of. And then just like I ride, like the chorus being I ride through like a ghost ship in a storm. Like it's just this kind of darkly ironic look at navigating the world, but it done through these like weird little soft couplets kind of thing. Yeah. And I just think like yeah. this song is just like this soft kind of warm. Like I guess the recording, like the I'm not sure who the recording engineer was, but I did a wonderful job making it sound like a warm kind of thing. Like he's, I feel his presence across the room for me in this in this song. It's just like this soft kind of softly spoken kind of beautiful cooing kind of like mm. like David's right it's not at all the kind of music that I usually go for outside of like the softer acoustic stuff by like Leonard Cohen and stuff mm. and this is not even like a miserable song like it's not like like the usual like stuff that draws me to like the folk music that I do like but I just think that the way that he's constructed this small little soft cotton universe of like ironic couplets is just very beautiful to me it's one of those things that like I really think that this could have fit in a 99 countdown like it feels yeah. like a triple j kind of song was he big in 99 no or... he's never he's never really he was li- he was living he's as a musician no. yeah he's never really been big in any capacity but outside you, of experimental music in terms of critical reception do you think like was the album picked up the album's the like it's hugely hugely critically loved like the name of it itself like the album eureka my favorite music review website tiny mixtapes when they have an album that's like a remarkable one kind of their equivalent of Pitchfork's best new music they call it Eureka and they've said they named that after the Jim O'Rourke record <laughs> his critical success far outweighs his commercial success yeah right yeah I'm really glad that I know this song now because this embodies for me so perfectly a type of music where no other style of music will do mm. it's usually when I'm really really tired but I still want to have something going on. Like, I don't want to go straight to ambient because that's not kind of enough for me. Like, I still want to have some kind of... Presence. Yeah, some kind of presence there. And, you know, like, post-rock sometimes does that quite well, but sometimes that can be a little bit too intense um, or a little bit too, like, emotional or whatever. This just sits in a beautifully quiet place where... And in particular, for some reason, I don't know why, but when I'm in that mood, I just really want the particular sound of the guitar that is present in this track. I utterly agree. That, yeah. that you nailed it. I didn't really have the words to grasp but that is absolutely it. it's that state where like like whenever i do listen to this record it's i always put it on under the assumption that like listening to this record won't be my core activity no It'll, like the, yeah. the album will be with me the, the main activity will be sitting down and relaxing or even like doing some work or like petting the dogs or like or, like, or classic like it's a friday afternoon and you're coming home from work on the bus yeah very yeah. much, yeah. It's like, this is all I have the energy for. Yeah. And just like the particular, because there's a lot of different textures that he's playing with, like the glassy guitars and also like the really soft kind of like pad of the drums yeah. going on. So there's a lot of different textures, but they're all just, they're brought out in, in such a clear way. They're all kind of really, really satisfying. Mm. So It's kind yeah. of like a song to just like to decompress and slow down to yeah. as well. It reminds me a bit of um, the Conway Savage 
records. Oh man. Oh god, yeah. Spot yeah. on. And like, fucking hell, Conway Savage is solo records, man. Like, yeah. Yeah. Beautiful stuff. So Conway played with the bad seeds. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the- um his niece, uh, Cash Savage, is a fucking great yeah. songwriter. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, she makes music uh, with a band called Cash Savage and the Last Drinks. Yeah, that the- album last year was great. Yeah, so that. good. Also, baller name, Cash Savage. Right? You've got to be an artist. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Some yeah. good shit. Or a banker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A ruthless investor. Yeah. Or, someone, ruthless or someone, investor. Who, someone who burns banks. Yeah. Cash yeah. Savage. There we go. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's that total kind of like, just, you know, when things are too much and you're like, cool, I, like, I need a music that's going to help me get back to a more sustainable tempo or whatever yeah. for myself or whatever. And like, that's really nice and like restorative beautiful yeah. song what did you think Deej because I've um, wanted you to listen to this record for quite a while because you're the like not to blow smoke up your ass in any way but I feel like your your own songwriting with your Ben um, Nothing Rhymes With David check him out um, but yeah. I find the way that you compose songs on the acoustic guitar I, f- I feel a lineage here that you obviously hadn't seen yourself because you hadn't heard the fucking stuff no, so I'm very curious yeah. to what you think of this song that's, that's really cool yeah it was kind of a surprise to hear you know that this was one of the, the many uh, uh, bows in his uh, quiver so to speak mm. yeah I found myself really liking it like uh, I really liked like the production and how everything's kind of like very kind of boxed in and like the drums are very like sophisticated and quiet and you know kind of everything works together but nothing's overpowering one another like it's really well composed and yeah like his vocals are really really sweet look you don't often listen to dudes with technically great vocals you know it's a lot of like very eccentric people are like very dark and weird mm. people so it's just like weird to like hear something that you really dig with like genuinely sweet and like yeah. lovely vocals you know do what you, I mean? do, have you told the the Jim O'Rourke story about School of Rock on the podcast before I have not no because this is never story, come up. Uh, so School of Rock is a famous 2003 movie starring Jack Black and one of the stars of this movie was a uh, young lady by the name of Miranda Cosgrove uh, who would go on to uh, some uh, Disney and Nickelodeon success and whatnot. Uh, but this was her first major film role. Now, she is an accomplished singer. She's a recording artist. Like She's put out a bunch of records and stuff like that. The character of Summer, however is not a good singer. So the character that she was playing in the movie, uh, this she's a very prissy, overachieving, like, uh, like straight-A student, but she can't sing to, car- to save her life. So when she auditions to be in the band, she sings a bit of Memory by... Uh, from, oh, cats. by from Cats. Yeah, from Cats. Oh, my God. Yeah. So cursed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, now I'm fucking thinking of that goddamn trailer again. <laughs> <laughs> um, so she was having problems with playing a character that can't sing. So, so what are those real oh that must suck for you. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> oh, you can't you can't see that. She's sing a badly. literal child in this instance. Oh, can't good for her. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, oh, she's a child on top of it all. Oh. Got a whole life ahead of her. Oh. She can sing beautifully now. Oh. Don't have to pay taxes. <laughs> she's paying little to no tax. <laughs> <laughs> Just freeloading and not singing badly. Oh my god. Oh. Yeah. Well, with an estimated net worth of 10 million dollars, <laughs> I'd want to hope she does pay some <laughs> oh, have we just given this poor girl the hottest bump in the yes? <laughs> bump straight to the IRA. <laughs> bump all millionaires along that way. You know, <laughs> did, you, did you mean the IRS? 
Or do you think the Irish Republican army? <laughs> Both! Up the raw! Uh, which one is, is more about taxes? Yes. <laughs> well, Marginally f- more. I feel like that's who I meant. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna fucking subpoena you! <laughs> But yes, indeed. How did she solve this problem with me able to sing? Well, what? Yeah, how does Jimbo Rock come into this? Well, I'm about to tell you. I uh, good. So Mike White and Jack Black put their brains together and were just like, we need someone to come in and teach our girl, Miranda Cosgrove, how to sing badly. So Mr. Jimbo Rock would come in and give reverse singing lessons to our girl, Miranda Cosgrove. And so now when you watch that scene and you see her singing badly, it's because of Jim O'Rourke. Mm, very interesting. Huh. He just, like, punched her in the throat. Yeah. Or something. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Pay your taxes, bitch. <laughs> I want to take that lesson just to be co- just be perfectly honest with you. I want to learn how to sing badly. I guess because like, he just knows the way the vo- vocals work, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Just, uh, There's yeah. the way the vocals work. It's like yeah. if you're really good at guitar, you'd be able to show someone how to, like, play it badly, mm. you know? Yeah, you'd you be would. like, here's yeah. some, like, really basically, if you keep fumbling this or whatever, yeah. that will make it sound yeah, like right. you're an amateur. And I think if you're technically proficient enough with the voice, it's the same thing. Well, the question I have is if you did a bad singing lesson to someone who already was bad at singing would they then become a good singer? I think they wouldn't get it because no. they wouldn't have yeah. the technical proficiency to understand what yeah. you're talking about. But maybe. But maybe. I, I just think it would be cool. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe they just get they just get so bad that it becomes... They die. Yeah. <laughs> they get executed. By the IRA. Yeah, there are. Um, um, yeah, in 99... The, the RA? That's like the IRA. You know, up the RA. Okay, so. all right. But it's missing a whole... It could be anyone's Republican army. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, yeah. yeah. In 99, um, things I was thinking about picking... Oh, yeah, do tell. What the shit was happening? There's nothing from Soft Bulletin in the countdown. I know. Flaming Lips, Soft Bulletin. It wasn't a very, like, big record here. They have only ever gotten one song in the Hottest 100, and that was in 2003, and it was the song The Golden Path, which they did with the Chemical Brothers. We're talking so, about the Flaming Lips, by the way. Yeah, yes. yeah. That's like, you know, you got to assume that's... If it was just a Flaming Lips song, it probably wouldn't have gotten in. I think yeah. the yeah. Triple J Hottest yeah. 100 audience Do you realize, doesn't like uh, the flips. Yoshimi, nothing. Yeah. yeah, they've never gotten a song yeah. in on their Isn't own. It like Spoonful off this album or, you know, anything. Like, oh, yeah, right. yeah, so I was thinking them. Also, um, a, like a low-key album that I absolutely love, um, this band called Bantam Rooster released a record called The Cross and the Switchblade. Uh, they're, they're a two-piece blues punk band. Kind of They're, they're kind of like... John Spencer Blues Explosion, White Stripesy, real thrashy fucking fun. There's a song on that record called Going Cold, which I definitely think would have fit very nicely in this. The Tom Waits Mule Variations record came out in 99, mm. which I quite love. It has Big in Japan. That would have fit in quite nicely. Not likely to make it in, but um, the Boredom's record that came out in 99, Vision oh. Creation, New Sun, is... Oh, my God. It's out of control. One of, perhaps a favourite Boredom's record. <clears throat> absolutely incredible record. Is there anyone I know? It's, it's easily the most critically acclaimed. So yeah. the Boredom's is like what this uh, out-of-control, wild, progressive Japanese... Every genre band. band. Started, yeah. started off punk, Just... got into experimental rock, kind of proggy, weird noise. Their recent thing is every once a year they just get the band and like 111 drummers to surround them in a circle and they just that's the performance they're just like <laughs> wonderful weirdest shit cool band and also um, the like it was never going to make it in obviously but this year was also the year that um, Godspeed God's You Black Godspeed You Black Emperor's <laughs> incredible um, Slow yeah, Riot for slow New riot Zero for, Canada yeah, Slow yeah. Riot for New Zero Canada EP came out 
but I can't really see <laughs> Blaze Bailey Finnegan 3's 20 minute <clears throat> noisy poetry from a homeless guy song getting in. Um, and just as a, a, a brief thing for this countdown, I want to give big thanks to the countdown itself for um, making me realise that I was an idiot for not liking something for Kate, particularly the Beautiful mm, Sharks record. Yeah. Came around to it hardcore. Sharks! Also, Good shit. Uh, also, um... I never gave the full record the love it deserved, but uh, Silverchair's Neon Ballroom as yes. well. Yes. These were the two albums from the countdown, both Aussie records, that just absolutely... I, I, I was an idiot for not getting on board them both sooner because they both fucking slap. Yeah, Hell cool, yes. man. Nice. Sweet. Fuck yeah. Hey, thanks for bringing in a uh, little bit of chill. Mm. Thanks for opening rock. the doors yeah. uh, for us. <laughs> which, uh, which, which, which emotion are we going to next? Well, we are going... <laughs> I'm spinning a wheel. Like, yeah. I saw that. Well, the wheel. The has... listeners loved it. <laughs> and I'm absolutely not editing in a real wheel sound. You have to just Why would you? We just did one. Yeah, we just... just physically edited it in. Well, the wheel has landed on horny. Mm. Yeah, right. And so we're throwing over to you, Nathan. What you got? Cool. Well, I, could, I picked the horniest boy in the room. Yeah. yeah. I get. I mean, whatever. Um, so uh, <laughs> for this year, I picked uh, FX Twins' Window Liquor. Oh, yes. Let's do it. Apex Twins window liquor. We're all feeling. Yeah, we're all feeling, feeling some things now. Feeling some things. Feeling um, so, just by way of context, if uh, you're not familiar, Apex Twin uh, or Richard David James. Some cr- where, where's the collab? <laughs> Richard <laughs> David James Young. <laughs> Richard David James. Young. You it's can just do time. like an acoustic cover of like you know. Of window liquor. <laughs> <laughs> so well. Ding, that ding. would be amazing. <laughs> not now. <laughs> just you're gonna work on it. Come to daddy, come to daddy, come to daddy, come to daddy, make me come. Apex Twin! Well, we asked. That was Richard David James Young. That's, yeah, I, I yeah. well, I guess you got to sometimes clap things. you got to pay it. <laughs> so, Avex Twin um, is an Irish electronica musician. Up the raw. RDJ is a comrade. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, Avex Twin just subpoenaed me. <laughs> he wants you to do Apex your taxes. Avex Twin subpoenas Miranda Cosgrove. <laughs> <laughs> .mp4. So this is about doing your taxes. Yeah, that's right. Um, he kind of came to prominence with his 92 debut album. Album selected Ambient Works, which if you're into ambient music, you've already heard, so that's fine. <laughs> then he put out a, a bunch of albums through the 90s, lots of 
weird, cool, innovative electronica. Absolutely, yeah. This is proper intelligent dance music. Yeah, yeah. You hate to use that term, but he sometimes he you don't hate but, to use yeah. it because you're a smug asshole. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, in '99, he put out this track, "Window Liquor." This is such a beautiful sort of combination of, I think, the two things that he does incredibly well, which is really, really lush, smooth textures and really, really tricky, sort of flighty, abrasive... Jagged. Jagged beats, yeah. yeah. The mash of textures... Frenetic. Frenetic, that's right. Yeah, totally. The mash of of textures and tones in this song is just incredible. Yeah. And they all happen around each other and the song goes through so many movements, you know, you get this really weird, slow... Bassy intro, like there's breakbeat in the middle. You end up with all these different dance styles, and then you just end up with this thick wall of distorted bass. The goddamn drop in this song is fucking heroin to me. Yeah, dude. It's It's unbelievable. So that's what's happening on a on a macro level, which is really involved enough. But I think for me, when I look at Aphex Twin and I look at Aphex Twin's music, it's about the the absolute mind-blowing amount of detail he puts into even small moments. Like, if you're not paying that much attention, you think the beat is just doing its regular thing. And then you Mm. go and you go like, no, wait, every single bar is different. Like, every single bar, he's just messing with just a little bit. He's just so hands-on in the way that he produces things and so goddamn intricate. You talk about, like, intelligent dance music or whatever, IDM. It's like, it's... For lack of a better word, you could call it overthought or overplayed <laughs> yeah, with or yeah. overproduced, but that's the style and that's that's part of his art. Yeah. He's just like a master of his craft and he's yeah. just pushing yeah, he what a song can do so far. Totally. He, he is you think of what other um, electronic songs he's spoken about in ninety nine and not to like denigrate Big Beat, because we all had a lot of love for the Chemical Brothers and we still do. Absolutely. We all, we all have, Absolutely. We all had and still do have a lot of love for Fatboy Slim. And we're not so much with Moby. Uh, <laughs> but, but, but think about that kind of uh, electronic dance music and that kind of like what, what people would just like generally, people who don't know, don't know would throw them all and just say they're techno or whatever. But think about those songs and what they do well and how good they are and compare that to how goddamn complex Aphex Twin works with this song. This song is like, it's an argument that like, Oh, do you not think that Richard D. James is a genius? Oh, well, we'll, we'll, we'll listen to Window Liquor one time. But it's, it's also like, even if you weren't really into Aphex Twin, this song kind of is bigger than Aphex Twin is because it wasn't part of an album and it kind of had more mainstream success than a lot of other stuff that he had. This hit number 16 in the UK. That's huge. like Really? I mean, it is an accessible song, but the style no, of music is... Not. Well, yeah, <laughs> right? And obviously, we'll talk about the Think video about soon. what else was on the radio at the time. Imagine this playing back-to-back with Mumbo Number 5. Ladies and gentlemen. Oh my God, that's the dream. The yeah, big that's, two. That's a, imagine, imagine both of those songs when you're in the car with your mum. Yeah. Oh. It's like all of a sudden... All of a sudden imagine like, Monica and Erica, Pamela, Angela, Sandra, Rita, and they all look like fucking Apex. <laughs> oh, we have to talk about that in a second. Oh. But 16, like... Yeah. like it works, you know, like it's it's catchy. Yeah. The sounds so in this catchy. song are great to listen to. And yeah. And so I, I there's think some sounds in this song. There's a lot of sounds there's, in this song. There are a lot of oh, sounds in this a, song. It's a lot. The choppiness and that kind of thing like that. But like the fact that he manages to blend that with you get samples of organic voices in this song as well. Like orgasmic voices. Yeah. Um, but you, you, like <laughs> the fact that he, he like melds the artificial and the organic 
together. It's a fucking simulacra. Like, it's yeah. the real and the unreal mm. reflecting one another kind of thing. It's such a fucking masterpiece of a song. And then for just, like, extra genius points, at the end of the song, if you do a spectrogram analysis oh, of it, there's right. a spiral. And then if you do a logarithmic spectrogram analysis of it, there's his face. <laughs> In, like, the reading of the song. He's just, like... Yeah, he's, he's, very he's operating on another level. Yeah. Yeah. There's further depth in terms of what the song is, like, representing. Because I can't listen to this song without kind of reflecting upon, you know, the vast sexual saturation that's kind of all over it. And then connecting that to the way that that's kind of commodified and has always been commodified as, as part of, like, mainstream culture and whatever. It's very much played with, you know, I think in, in terms of the way he's, he's sampling those kind of sexual sounds and the way it's, like, way too sexual. Mm. Like... He's like, oh, it's like the main, that's the main bass theme. It's greasy. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's too much. Like it's not sex. It's porn because it's too vivid and it's too in your face and it's commodified. And And especially when all the other sounds are so not organic and and artificial, like that's, that's the play. Right. There's something, there's something there. And I think that that's played with really, really beautifully through the film clip. That is one of the most Iconic and dare I say haunting um, mm. kind of clips. <laughs> yeah. Chris you, Cunningham is the director. Is the director for yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. he did he um, Come to Daddy of, as well. Yeah, and um, so Rubber Johnny as well. Mm. He's always a collaborator with Apex Twin. Him, you could write essays on just what I'm sure what's in have. that. Yeah, yeah, what's in that film clip? <laughs> yeah. um, and, and and just in terms of like, especially the fact that you know you have all that. You know, the, the hip-hop tropes and the sexualization and the excess and the materialism and then the fact that it's it's all just his face, right? If you haven't seen the film clip or whatever, I'm, I'm not... You can hear this now, us talking about it, and then go back and, and watch the film clip and kind of get something from that. But then, yeah. like, the fact Do an that N-word it's... count. There's a lot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that it is all his face and whatever, just talking about how, you know, he's, he's implicating himself in the, in the music industry as being a part of that as well, and his ego as being a part of that. It's just... There's layers. It's great. This was definitely one that I was thinking of picking for myself as well. This is one of my favourite tracks from the 90s, I think. Yeah. Like, Comfortably. Yeah. 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 I don't think we'll ever talk about Apex Twin again unless we vote for another song in a remix episode. So I want to talk about the great Kanye story, which is one of my favourite Apex things. Oh, the great Kanye story. Yeah. So, Get around, kids. So uh, Blame Game from Kanye's album uh, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Uh Right. Uses the piano from an Aphex Twin song um, no. called Avril 14th. I did not know that. Yeah, so in an interview um, of FX Twin talking about this, I think that he was asked about Blame Game and he said, is it a sample? I actually don't know what it ended up being on the track. I'm so slack. I know that he tried to fucking rip me off and claim that he'd written it and then they tried to get away with not paying. I was really helpful and when they first sent it to me, I was like, oh, I can redo that for you if you like because they'd sampled it really badly and time stretched it and there was loads of artifacts. I was like, I'll just replay it for you at that speed if you want and they totally didn't even say hello or thanks. They just replied with, it's not yours, it's ours and we're not even asking you anymore. Oh my god. But it doesn't that just what? I think that's Why did they send it to him? <laughs> right. Why did I have the ball, Bart? <laughs> but this is so that captures I think Richard's, you know, what his character so well, which I think is so essential to his music as well. He's a essentially just like the world's most genius bedroom producer. Yeah. And he just and he just loves it and he doesn't care. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, that's it. Like, he, he, like I think from that, you he just finds it funny, and it's like, yeah, oh, yeah. I could have, I could have made it better for you. Is this kind so of a, this kind of a punkness to to what he does as well? Because yeah. like, and also like this, his output, right? Like, he started off making techno music that had an ambient edge, and then moved into like like Drux is quite experimental, and then got like mm. some radio accessible stuff with this and the Richard D James album. Love that. Um, album. And Fuck, then, I love that album. yeah, it's my favorite AFX album. Oh um, and then a bunch of like so many fucking aliases that he has like he has <laughs> yeah. like, his output is absolutely astonishing under like names of Aphex Twin AFX RDJ he's just got like, so many aliases and um, remixes collaborations like one off EPs live sets that are all studio quality stuff and then just didn't do anything for like almost 10 years and he was like alright oh, I'm making an album again it's, here's Syro and now he's making EPs under various names yeah. again one Grammy does, for Syro yeah he, he just does what he wants to do like <laughs> yeah. he just, also his kid's a genius his kid is a really good producer <laughs> oh really yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. wait how, how old is he young three yeah. under 10 under 10 and made an EP of music better than I could hope to do the fuck yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's genetic yeah oh my god that's crazy and it's so funny that like like obviously like you look at a lot of his titles of his tracks and stuff like that he's he obviously he's steeped in the idea of um england uk ireland drug culture with dance music how does Co- he feel about brexit since he's irish i presume really fucking badly yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah. i think at this point everyone even people who are pro brexit just feel bad about the whole thing like it's just mm. like no one is happy. No. Yeah. Whoever in wins, England, you know. That's it. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, well, so we just need more Brexit songs. <laughs> He's clearly just like producing as he wants when he feels fit. And like, again, there's sightings like drug culture and that, but like not in a way that ever feels like egregious, right? He's no. just like, oh, this song's called Cornish Acid. Like, <laughs> like, he's just one of the most remarkable and important and we should be thankful we have him musicians of the late 20th century. How dare you, you ingrates? Mm. <laughs> in, con- yeah. in conclusion, mm. no. yeah. you blew it up, Dan. Yeah. You, you did. Dan, you went to hell. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, this and. Come on, my selector by Square Pusher are both Ooh. songs, really weird out there electronic songs that I can only see. I can't hear them. I've maybe listened to Window Licker maybe once or twice just listening to it. Mm. Actually, watching it is how I've completely experienced it. Window Licker is. I believe in the top five, probably top ten most requested uh, videos in the history of Rage Guest Programming. Every every time someone's just like, yeah, we're fucking putting on window. Like, we're doing the whole... You know that's going to take a good chunk of your time, right? Don't care. <laughs> we're fucking putting it on. We're putting on the whole thing. I want to watch the fucking car get fucking <laughs> driven out of the way by the fucking mile-long limousine. Yeah. One of the greatest fucking action shots I've ever seen. And Just then the window grrr. coming down on the first... Mm. Oh, God, oh, I need to watch so the again. I need to see it, like, as soon as I can. I think there's something in that, though. Like, I, I think musicians playing with this kind of stuff, especially at that time, are really, yeah. really aware that the visual component is such an important part yeah. of what they're doing, especially oh, for people that aren't used to that music. Too, it's the same. I saw that Square Pusher... Uh, a few years ago, he played at the Opera House, and it was oh, just true. like such a huge AV show. And I think that that's not unique at all. I think so many musicians in that area 
are really pushing what video can do to complement the music. And even like yeah. um, Apex's recent videos are really just weird visualizations of stuff. Well, I think I think it's partly, you know, like the visualization, I think going to what Andrew was saying, there's a connection to the drug culture and there's a certain amount of imaginative. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you have license to go there because you already are associated with that scene. But I think the other side of it is you're playing with the anxiety really the performance anxiety in that you know like everyone when they see a live show is talking about these rock bands and all the outrageous things they do he leapt off this he destroyed this he made out with them you don't have time or ability to do that Mm. as a single person behind the deck so how are you going to make a show for people and that's where i think the visual component in the live show comes out that can just extend into creating a brand in terms of everything that you do. You you, you establish that that kind of visual nature, the, so, and, yeah. they, and they more than overcome <laughs> the antics that yeah. they were that yeah. they were trying to initially match. The, the video, his his recent video for uh, the Collapse EP, mm. the um, T ninety six Collapse video for that is operating on levels that you just <laughs> like. People poured over that video for months trying to get all the data they could out of it like watch it like just go to YouTube and look up Apex Twin Collapse it's a remarkable head fuck of a video that you can see why fans would be pouring over it so Nathan if it wasn't Apex Twin's window liquor what would it have been 69 love songs came out this nice. year mm. Book of Love's on that yeah yeah, yeah. That's, um, a, that's an album by the Magnetic Fields that's right yep honestly like not a lot jumped out to me sure I don't know I probably remember afterwards I'll be like oh my god my favourite ever song yeah. at the time as an 11 year old I probably would have just been listening to Affirmation by Savage Garden that would oh, have been what a hit. the highest uh, highest rotation and mm. maybe only rotation album that I had as an 11 year old but do that's you, such a good album do you still believe in karma I never believed in karma oh <laughs> Hard rationalist, me. So, look at that. Yeah. So, you know, engaging engaging critically with the song and just going like, look, yeah, it's a great song, but... I think Darren is asking you to, like, question. really... To, to question. He's not asking you to take Well, he thinks he's the only ones who disagree are millionaires, so therefore... Nathan is loaded. He's got that. Yeah. He's got that success mindset. Guys. Don't come after my taxes, <laughs> <laughs> Jim Rock Morrison. Um, but yeah, and like you know, like there was Godspeed and stuff like that. Not not a lot I can think of uh, that, that I noticed that I was like, oh, this Tism didn't put anything in '99. Mm. Well, um, or did, uh, waste yeah, of time. Or did it, actually, you know what? I believe we could have spoken about the uh, the bonus disc from Tism.wanker.com. Oh, um, attention! Do not oh, publish. Attention! Shot records. Say. Do not publish. That is honestly one of my <laughs> favorite teaser releases. So oh, is it? Could have happily played. Uh, Opposite day. Opposite day. Yep. Apology of the Tide Drunkard. Get on out, do some shit. Oh, you're the worst. Had enough. Years, guys. Literally years. Years of this. All right, um, it's my turn now. Look um, out! Which emotion are we gonna spin the wheel? <laughs> no, no, no! Give me, the, give me the wheel! Give me that! Stop! Sorry, stop. you spin it. Go! No, you don't need to spin it. It's... <laughs> Look, it's a wheel! Oh wow! <laughs> Are we done? Sorry, Dad. You, you're holding the wheel, Adam. We're not doing anything. <laughs> and yeah, guys, it's me. It's your boy. There doesn't need to be a wheel spun. What emotion do you think this is? Excessive surprise? Sad. <laughs> Thank it's you, Andrew. Yeah. Wheel. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> the emotion wheel. is wheel. 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 I, for my remix pick from the album Emergency and I, this is the dismemberment plan with What Do You Want Me To Say? I lost my membership card to the human race. So don't forget the face. Because I know that I do belong here. 
the dismemberment plan what do you want me to say my pick for the remix of 1999 so my musical taste and my musical knowledge really went through two major renaissances in my life um, and they're both connected to having the ability to listen to music while driving in the like the kind of late high school and just after stages I did a lot of driving living along the coast and then eventually getting a job even further down the coast and having one of my jobs at the time actually revolve around driving I was a um, I was working for a radio station I was doing the promo car so I was handing out a lot of chocolate milk. People had to find you. They had to they find like, me. Where's Adam? Yep. Go find him for a chocolate milk. That's right. I, Which I brand of chocolate milk? Uh, it was dare iced coffee. Mmm. Delicious. Is that a chocolate milk? They have a mocha. Okay. Mm. But also there were there were moves as well. I remember. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, you had to move the car. Right? Yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of movement. It's called driving when it's a car. <laughs> so the first Renaissance in 2008, driving driving long ways down the coast, and I first got a, a, a stereo system in my car that used a USB. And this was the first time I was like, holy shit, I can listen to anything I want. And so I discovered a whole heap of stuff there. Were, you, then, were you driving around playing this member of a plan while you were heading at Joggy Milks? I was. That's a ball Because this is the other time in 2012. Um, and by this stage, I'd, I'd evolved to, you know, like iPods connected to um, aux cables yeah. going into cars. Hand, and hand me the aux. Mm-hmm. Yeah. a bit of a meme reference for our younger listeners. For farmers. <laughs> Hand me the ox. It's more, yoke me the ox, please. You better not feed it trash. (laughs) Um, Jesus. So in the summer of 2012, Pitchfork had just released what was known as the Pitchfork People's List. And this was 200 albums that they they did a big listener poll and they collated all the data. People were just voting in for their favourite albums from the years that Pitchfork had been in existence. So from 1996 up to 2011. And they collated the the results into a list of 200 albums. And I had a lot of places to drive and a lot of listening to do. And I said, fuck it, I'm going to go 200 to 1. And I did. And somewhere along... You listened to all 200 albums? In order, yeah. In the course of of a summer. What a hustle. I do remember what number one was. OK, computer. Ah. Yeah, Kel Surprise. <laughs> it was it was uh, released in '97, and Neutral Hotel was in the airplane overseas. Was two. Mm, yeah, okay. uh, Loveless yeah. three. Uh, Loveless was, was '91, right. so was ineligible to of be course. part of the uh, part of there. But somewhere in there was Emergency and I by the Dismemberment Plan, and I distinctly remember what it was like when I first heard that because it was uh, what is the what is the quote from Pitchfork? Because I think it captures it so very very beautifully. Nothing else you own sounds like this record, yet everything you own echoes throughout. That's exactly the experience that I had when I listened to it. Mm. It's like I I know this, but you're presenting some things here in a way that like. I've never heard before. Yeah. And it came through with such a clarity and such a sincerity. And I think I was more fascinated by it than anything else. 
um, initially. There was definitely a kind of like, you know, when you, you listen to something you don't quite get, but you know in the back of your head there's a future you reaching back through time saying, like, you're going to love this. Just stick, stick with this and listen to it a little bit more because you're going to become a bit of a dickhead and end up talking about this in a podcast uh, in, your, in your early 30s and, uh, and you know... Everyone's gonna humor you. Give me five you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're, just, they're just pelting stars at me, nonstop. A little bit about the the dismemberment plan. Uh, they were formed in '93. They're a four piece. Travis Morrison is the the singer songwriter. Um, the name of the band is from a quote from Groundhog Day. I don't have the full quote. I haven't watched Groundhog Day in a bit. It's the insurance guy. It is the insurance um, guy. Oh, you you know this? This is great. Yeah, I can't remember. You know, the guy that like accosts Bill Murray every morning to sell him insurance. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. talks about all the things that he can buy, and the last one is dismemberment plan, which right. is a gag. That's good. Yeah, that is good. Um, and they're mostly synonymous with this album, Emergency and I. It's just easily their biggest. And this yeah. was not a neutral milk hotels thing. Like as soon as this came out, it was incredibly critically acclaimed, and everyone was just singing its praises. Yeah. Um, so there were several tracks that I wanted to pick from this. I ended up going with this one because I think it's like quite accessible, but also I think we've talked about a lot talking about music in the nineties, about the tension between irony and sincerity. And I think this is great because it, it you know, capping off the end of the nineties and, and the end of like where a lot of that stuff is kind of like taken on a very different relevancy um, or has moved into a very different spot. That This is a song basically very sincerely dealing with the problem of being sincere. It's about being frustrated that you can't communicate yourself properly or that you're not getting through to someone. You, it's easy enough to, to look at this and kind of pass it off as being like, yeah, it's a guy having a fight with his girlfriend and that's kind of, all the song is about. That's definitely an aspect of it. But I think the way that they structure the lyrics in this song makes it more about an existential question of, fuck, how easy is it to actually talk to someone and to be understood? I love the opening lyrics to this in particular for that. I lost my membership card to the human race, so don't forget the face because I know I do belong here. And the next part is like saying, uh, go through the checklist, let's see, feelings are good, honesty is bad, keeping it inside is worse still. It's like the impossibility of knowing... You know, even if even if you manage to sort out how you feel, you can't necessarily communicate that properly mm. to anyone mm. else. And then hearing the way that that's communicated in the music, it's kind of a bit annoying. <laughs> that, that that really repetitive guitar kind of just Dude, the whole they, time. The, the way they fucking lean into that jagged, angular, yeah. like math rocky riff, and like each kind of iteration of it, they put a different like fuzz on it. Like yeah. the pedals, they change for each time. Like they just keep you guessing with that like. Like it's it's a real like fuck you like you want an encore all right bum, bum, bum. Like, so you've got that going in there which is just so clearly I think illustrating the frustration mm. of, of what's going on in the song and then even in the in the stuff that is musical the um the vocal line and the bass that go along there they're kind of a little bit off you think they're going well and then all of a sudden right at the last minute they kind of whiff it and you're like whoa and it's I mean like what better way to musically communicate the idea of miscommunication the only moment where you actually get clarity is in expressing frustration and that's in the chorus which is what do you want me to say what do you want me to do the, the tension and the awkwardness that you get in the verses is so so worth it for what you get in that chorus because the, the chorus release. the chorus is sing along fun like yeah, I want that's to right. yeah the way that they keep, like when you said that, that they kind of whiff it right. Like they, whenever you think you're comfortable with the song, they change something immediately. Like if you're comfortable with the riff, ah, oh, the riff just changed. Comfortable with the sound, ah, oh, we put a different effect on the guitar. It just like, and it reflects the idea with the lyrics, right? Like you just like, you think you're getting there and then you don't fall off. Yeah. They nail it so well. And I, what I get from this, obviously like there's elements of like 
first wave emo and this kind of thing like that. Totally. Um, yeah. But I also pick up. I, I feel a bit of um, slint in this. Um, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, Built to spill. Like angular Built to spill for sure. Yeah. Like angular, like jagged kind of guitar that bounces around, kind of thing like that. And like, I, I, I even a little bit of Yola Tango as mm, well. I'm yeah, right. Yeah. Well, this is entirely why I another reason why I picked this for this year because earlier on. Um, this year in kind of my own life, outside of the podcast. Um, what? I've been... <laughs> what life outside of the podcast? Yeah. I, I, have, this a I bit? have it in my head that everyone just assumes we just live together. Like, you know, it's like how you assume when you're when you're like a little kid and you assume the teachers just live at school. Yeah. And so when you see them outside of it, yeah. like, what? There's that um, line from the early Frank Zappa and the Mother's Song. It's like, I'll go to California and we'll start a band and we'll all live together because all the bands live together. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So yeah, like uh, I've been listening to a lot of that late '90s um, indie stuff. You know, like uh, all the bands that were kind of mentioned: Built to Spill, Yola Tango, Modest Mouse, Drive Like Jehu. Low. Um, Yeah, totally, totally. Um, And Dismemberment Plan fits in really, really nicely to that scene without ever sounding entirely like anything. This is a it's a unique record that's a lot of people feel very, very strongly about. Myself being one of them, and I think like part of the reason is because of that absolute sincerity that they bring uh in their songwriting and it and it's visible across the whole thing and that's really what emergency and i is kind of talking about it's this it's every song is kind of about the difficulty of growing up in in a real sense not in terms of like an age sense but in terms of like a maturity sense and then the the struggles that you face as an individual in the chaos of kind of modernity i think this is the only record of theirs i've heard but i do love it um, I, I think it's I, like for me too, yeah. <laughs> to be honest. Um, kind of like um, Neutral Milk Hotel or like a Love Loss or something like that. Very big in internet music fan circles. Like totally. it's a. I listened to it because I thought the album art looked cool as shit. I didn't know at all what kind of music it was, and I was like, oh, this is a very pleasant surprise. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that, I, I really like the album art. It's just a cool weirdo design. Yeah, it's sick. So I got into this because of one A Buncher, um, who played me a. Uh, a song which is to this day my favorite song from this record you are invited brilliant song yes gorgeous gorgeous song yeah and honestly when you said you were going to do dismemberment plan i definitely thought you were going to pick that song I, I would recommend people go and check that out i think just as an intro to the band i think i would i think i would play this before i played you, you are invited, invited in yeah, most yeah. Cases. i get that this song would fit very very nicely in a triple j countdown as yeah, a, as yeah, I can I can see this being like one of those bands that would have just broken through around that yeah. time. Yeah, um, this is new to me, but I love it, um, oh, cool, and I'm man. really excited to listen Dude, to pick the record. You'll dig the it. whole album. Yeah, it sounds and and even though like the slint and everything like that, it sounds so modern. Like yeah. like yeah. this could come oh out this God. year. And I wouldn't blink. Year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you know, you say like this would fit in the countdown. Like it it almost sticks out to me as like sounding too contemporary even though sure. obviously it com- comes out at the same time as all these other songs but like there's something like you like you said that that echoing through like yeah. there's something about these sounds that have stuck with bands moving in this space um that just makes it really really sound like it's a new song but i love it yeah the, the way the music just perfectly matches the 
the theme of the song. Like it's it's gorgeous and it's great. I'm excited to listen to the album. Sweet. I think you'll dig it. So other things that I was thinking of for 1999, yes. there was this there's this one particular song. I never picked the metal song. I'm always tempted. <laughs> Listeners, bully Adam to pick a metal song for next year. Yeah, well, okay. Well, I will give a quick shout out to this song anyway. Um, it's from the In Flames album Colony. Yes. And the song is called Zombie Inc. And to this day... I think it has my favourite guitar solo of all time. Whoa! Is that Zombie Incorporated or like Zombie Tattooing? Zo- no, Zombie Zombie Incorporated. The, like, the song's good and then it just comes to this like instrumental bridge section and it, I don't know, man, there's just something about it that just like <laughs> works for me in a way that most other instrumental solos don't. Also speaking of metal, Opeth had an album. Uh, Ghost Reveries? No, oh. still life. But of course, of course, the other big, just really quickly, just to, to blast through a bunch of other albums, um, A Guy Suspiron by Siguros. Siguros. Yes. Uh, just next level beauty. Just the, oh, one so of good. the most beautiful albums. Yeah, I'm surprised nobody here was championing Cigarros. Mm. I was so close to mm. picking like Star Alpha or something. Mm. Um, likewise, very, very close to picking Never Meant by American Football. Yeah, that was oh, one of mine yeah, too. Yeah. American Football, uh, their their album from this year, absolutely gorgeous. Oh, it's so good. But the thing I was probably most close to picking, if it wasn't this, would have been the next episode. By Dr. Dre. Oh, yeah. From the album at 2001. Yeah. Which was released this year. And maybe later on, if we have time, I'll try and nail the smoke weed every day. Mm. Yeah. Hey, uh, Deej. Yeah. You're the last guy. Spin the wheel. You're Save the, the worst to last. Spin the wheel. You're the last emotion. <laughs> the wheel has seen better days. <laughs> Congratulations. Your wheel has landed on silly. Yeah, bitch. I went with Albuquerque by Weird Al motherfucking Yankovic. Hit that shit. Way back when I was just a little bitty boy, living in a box under the stairs in the corner of the basement of the house half a block down the street from Jerry's bait shop. You know the place. Well, anyway, back then life was going swell and everything was just peachy. Except, of course, for the undeniable fact that every single morning, my mother would make me a big old bowl of sauerkraut for breakfast. I said, hey, mom, what's up with all the sauerkraut? And my dear sweet mother, she just looked at me like a cow looks at an oncoming train. And she leaned right down next to me. And she said, it's good for you! And then she tied me to the wall and stuck a funnel in my mouth and force me nothing but sauerkraut until I was 26 and a half years old. That's when I swore that someday, someday I would get out of that basement and travel to a magical faraway place where the sun is always shining and the air smells like warm and the towels are oh so fluffy Where the shriners and the lepers play their ukuleles all day long And anyone on the street will gladly shave your back for a nickel Waka waka doo doo yeah Well let me tell you people It wasn't long at all before my dream came true Because the very next day a local radio station had this contest To see who could correctly guess the number of molecules in Leonard Nimoy's butt I was off by three But I still won the grand prize That's right a first class one way ticket Albuquerque. It's by the weirdest artist of all time, Weird Al Yankovic. It's from my favourite Weird Al album, Running With Scissors. I picked it because I don't like anyone in this room very much, and I was just like, you know what, fuck it. I'm going to make you guys listen to Weird Al for 15 goddamn minutes. Implying that I hadn't already listened to it a million times yeah, when I was a kid. <laughs> 
<laughs> implying that if I wanted to, I, I couldn't just bust out every single word right now. Implying you don't have weasels on your face. Implying, Dude, give me back my snorkel. That Look, snorkel's been just like a snorkel to me. Tough. Okay. <laughs> Adam really bringing the weirdness yeah. here. Unexpected. We do have Nathaniel here and, and Superfly, my two beautiful children. <laughs> oh, they had so much. I was talking to right. someone the other day actually, and they were asking me about joining the Columbia Record Club, and I was like, "Sounds like my ex-wife." You know what I mean? <laughs> anyway, I picked this uh, because we we did have a riff a little while ago about uh, the sliding scale of the weird uh, musical spectrum, and then yeah, naturally Weird Al Yankovic came into it. And yeah, when I was going through the albums that came out this year, I was just like, holy fuck, Running With Scissors came out this year. And I love this album so, so much. It's always a time capsule. You go back and like, what was he parodying around this time? You know, and it's just like, there's like a parody of One Week and there's a parody of like the Cherry Poppin' Daddies, like, which is a real sign of the times. <laughs> what, what a fucking band name. That's oh. just a real stinker. <laughs> yeah. oh. Zoot yeah. writes a fucking jam though. So is Grapefruit Diet, as it turns out. Um, Did you say Schmoozoo what, Riot? Grapefruit Diet uh, oh. is the parody Zoot Suit Riot. Not okay. Never mind. Not not. What was it? What do you think I said? Schmoozu. Schmoozu. No, no, that's not a word. No, sounds thought... like a joke. Yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, there's a third wave ska song called Your Horoscope for Today. That's sick. That's really good. The lead single was uh, a reworking of American Pie to be all about the Phantom Menace which is just a bizarre moment in the history of Weird Al, and it's so good. Like, it opens and closes with two of the longest songs that he's ever done, and both are, like, career-defining songs for me. I <laughs> love... Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like this is a these are like that huge, is his career. Like, oh, he still plays these songs, you know. Like yeah. when I saw him for the first time in two thousand seven, he ended on Albuquerque, and I fucking lost my shit. Well, this is the Bohemian Rhapsody of comedy songs. Oh, big time! Does, yeah. he, does he have a paper with the lyrics when he's alive, or does he remember them? Sometimes he'll just riff on stuff, like uh, like he'll <laughs> just go off script. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he he'll come up with different uh, types of uh, yeah. donuts for the the guy to go oh. and check for. Yeah. <laughs> Like Raspberry, Wild Thornberry, Halle Berry, you know, that sort of stuff, you it's know. Good. It can go even longer sometimes, like it's a live version, which I'm all for. I, I, <laughs> I, I love it. Uh, anyway, I uh, kind of lost my track of thought. I guess what I'm really trying to say here is I love this song. That's all I'm really trying to say. Uh, it's a it's a very silly, ridiculous uh, exercise in absurdism. I'm waiting for Nathan's catchphrase of never heard of it. So let's 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 cross to the room now. Let's see what let's see what we got. Weird Al. <laughs> Look out! Call me back when you find a normal Al. Yeah. Normal Al. Um, <laughs> That'd be the guy from uh, Home Improvement. Yeah, yeah. He's um, the most regular Al. Yeah. He's the most regular Al you can think of. I know that uh, a Weird Al. He said he wrote this song at the end of the album. Said he wanted to annoy people for twelve minutes, just like that was his intention, just to make a song where like. I've you broken people by playing this on road trips. Like you intentionally lose the train of thought and that's like a shaggy dog story doesn't really go anywhere kind of thing. And like, I, I think even analysing this song through the lens of music or comedy or even comedy music kind of misses the fucking point. It's like, it's intentionally a song that's meant to be annoying. It's a perfect album closer for a Weird Al album. For, for the in what intent that he set out to do, he, he, made, he made the perfect song for it. Like, this is exactly a shaggy dog story where the plot doesn't go anywhere and like the silliness is so overt kind of thing 
that like it's exactly what he like he wants to do. And like he said, he, he was surprised that it ended up becoming a fan favorite. I was reading. Like, I, like obviously, he's, he he's, seems like a very humble guy. He's at moment to moment. He seems like a real sweethearted man. And he um, really cares about what he does as yeah, well. Fully. Oh, yeah, fully. Yeah, big time. I mean? yeah. Like, he's, yeah. an, he's an absolute darling. I, yeah. I love him. Partly, I'm like, are you really surprised that it became a fan favorite, Al? Because like, this is exactly the kind what of you thing. Said to him. Yeah. <laughs> are you really that weird? Um, um, What's the story? Yeah. <laughs> Breaking news. Yeah. <laughs> um, You're not going to uh, believe yeah. this. Um, it is the kind of thing that like a perfect album, like a set closer, right? Like he yeah. obviously, obviously he's going to close a lot of his sets with this song. Like, cause you've gotten through like mm-hmm. the ones that everybody can sing along to kind of about. And this one's like, this is actually for the serious fans that will put up with me doing a 15 minute rambling shaggy dog story that keeps losing its train of thought. And the plot doesn't really go anywhere. Like, it's absolutely one for his fans. Like, it's so... It's, like, for, for the intent that he set out to do, it's perfect, right? Well, I still it's, think it's one of his best. But, yeah, it, it, it's just, know? like, right in the middle of... Like, of course, people that like Weird Al love this song. Like, it just... Yeah. it's Because it's just him. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just him. him doing what he's very good at doing for a very long time. And, and he commits. And he commits. And when you're a fan and, and, and artists commit like that, then you're like, I'm just here for that. So, like, of course it was popular. And, of course, it's so funny... As a kid, that it's a that it goes for this long. Yeah, mm-hmm. I distinctly remember it as a kid. Yeah. Like that blew my mind. I didn't have any concept of fourteen minute pieces of music. No, I didn't, know, I didn't know you could do music for that long. When I first came across this song, when I yeah. was just an itty bitty boy living under the box on the stairs in the corner of the basement of the house, on half a block down the street from Jerry's Bait Shop. You know the place. Um, <laughs> that's the thing, right? Though, yeah. like, yeah, like if you were a kid when you heard this, I, I, I heard this first when I was probably seventeen or something. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, yeah. Like, if you heard it first when you were a kid, that would be mind-blowing. Like, mm. holy shit, he's still talking about this? Like, how, how, yeah. do, we get, how do we get to this? What, what, what about that sauerkraut? What, what, what's the tickets he won? Like, <laughs> so those things, mm. they, they just appear and then I I dropped. wonder how many he actually guessed if, if he was off by three. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the thing about it also is that it's so visual. Like, he takes you... He really does take you there. Like, you, you go there in your mind and mm. you, you follow along with it and whatever. And I think the whole he, thing. I think in that way, like, it, it, it kind of draws a parallel to the songs like this that existed in the 60s, you know, like in the folk scene, like Arlo Guthrie had songs like this. You know what it fully is as well? We said this about um, Cows With Guns, but it's fully a song that, like, early internet will put an animation to. Mm. Uh, like, I'm not into Weird Al because I didn't get into Weird Al as a kid. If, like, someone had given me when I was, like, 10 years old or whatever, Running With Scissors or something... I would have loved it. Yeah. And now I'd be like, I have such a fondness for this, but I didn't have that. And I don't know that's possible to get into Weird Al as an adult. So Maybe hang on. But- oh, like how we were talking about like uh, Limp Bizkit. Yeah. yeah. I'm 31. I'm not going to be like time to high rotation running with scissors until I really get into it. Like, <laughs> no. please do that. I, I, would, I, I would love that so much. I won't do it. Please do it. That, that's a fucking do it good bit though. Do it right now. I'm going to uh, give you the CD. Do it now. for Weird Al to start skyrocketing. Nathan, oh. Nathan Harrison, mm. is this the first time that you did listen to this song? I think so. I don't yeah, think I've right. heard this one before. During the song's four 14 minute duration what what kind of thoughts did you have what kind well, of feelings I, I, my main thought was just like I get it <laughs> <laughs> like very early on it's like okay he's doing this kind of story it's this kind of like where I came from long rock song parody and he's he's like taking long detours in the story I get it like there were bits I was like that's pretty funny but like my main thought was like I understand what's happening here <laughs> Yeah, Albuquerque. I registered the jokes. Yeah, (laughs) but also Albuquerque is a very very funny name for a place. Well, that's obviously why you pick it, right? It's a funny name. It's It's like um, A L B U Kirky, Seattle. Places that like um, like American name places like this on like 
like Lake Titicaca. Like, <laughs> oh my god! Immediately going to be like a joke name. Song, or right? Delaware. Yeah. Hi. I'm in Delaware. Like uh, the thing is, well, like I was the same recent to it. I was like, oh, yeah, I get it, kind of thing. I, I, I know what you what you're doing, but the same thing could be said when you like show somebody an ambient or a drone or a noise piece, and like you hear it for like a, like a second or two, and you're like, oh, yeah, I get what they're doing, but that misses the point. The point is that you have to wallow in the length. That's yeah, the point yeah. of the song. Yeah, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, you, you were hitting the um the L on the YouTube yeah, thing. Yeah, Weird yeah, ambient oh, yeah. Yankovic. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Book it. I'll just read the synopsis. It'll be fine. <laughs> music that is non-traditional or like comedy music kind of thing that is that uses the length as part of the joke. Like Nathan, I didn't really have much exposure to Weird Al until I was a teenager where like a couple of friends were super, super into Weird Al. Yes, they um, were. Yeah, and like that makes and that makes it like really <laughs> You taxing. know the type. Like <laughs> I was one of them. You hate to see it. You really like, do. But like that makes it taxing, right? Because like someone who like exclusively will only bump Weird Al. Yeah. And you're like, I, I can't get into this now. Like, it's like if, if someone brought up a, another kind of weird band every episode of the podcast, it yeah. would be exhausting yeah. Yeah. for the two people who didn't. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the I thing- imagine. <laughs> oh, this is not for me, but Got to give it to him. Yeah, like, totally right. That's the thing because because as much as like I you know I'm not really interested in Weird Al. There's such a purity in the joy, like mm. and my understanding, and you know you would know better than me. Weird Al is never mean. Like yeah. it's never no. like a punching down comedy or whatever. It's no. just fun, and he's having fun, and he's very good at it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's the thing. Even his actual like his explicit parody songs, not his style parodies or his originals or his polkas kind of thing. None of them are making fun of the artist. No, yeah. it's all just yeah. like the only one is like smells like Nirvana, and even then, that was specifically it's... on the request of Kurt Cobain, yeah. where it's just like we, I want to do a parody of your song. It's just like, all right. It's not about food, is it? <laughs> yeah, and I was like, no, it's about how people can't hear what you sing. And he's like, oh, great, cool. Yeah. yeah. But see, so, yeah, the, the, the other one I actually think is a little bit uh, borderline is um, Perform This Way. Oh, true. Because like, that's kind oh, of... There's also um, Achy Breaky Song. Oh, yeah, that, that, uh, that one, no, that, that's probably the meanest one. Yeah. yeah. But, that's, but look, Billy Ray Cyrus is doing just fine, fine right now. Yeah. So, you know. Number one hit. Trips. 18 weeks. <laughs> but yeah, there's, there's such joy. And like, obviously, he's clearly a great guy. Like, everyone is so happy to work with him and, you know, yeah. on TV and The Simpsons, everything like that all the time. You're like, cool. You know, he's not like, I don't hate him. I'm like, oh, this, you know, awful person or whatever. I'm just not into it. But like, there's definitely, even from the outside, like a purity to the joy. Yeah. Like in the music and in being a fan of the music. Yeah, he just has he does all this like old comedy stuff with people that like grew up fucking worshiping him, and he's just he just hangs out. He's a dude, you know. Yeah. It's sick. I love the kind of cult of personality that just revolves around Weird Al. You know, it's awesome. If not Albuquerque, <laughs> yeah. What else? Probably your horoscope for today. I would have picked that just to make you guys listen to Third Wave Scar. <laughs> <laughs> so it was definitely going to be a Weird Al track. <laughs> 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 um, Adam already mentioned uh, Never Meant uh, by American Football. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, again, a, a band that got the hottest bump <laughs> just by being mentioned here. I also would have uh, subjected you guys to Vertical Horizon because Everything You Want, uh, their, <gasps> a a, their third album came out this year, uh, which features Everything You Want, the title track, and You're a God, which are two of my favourite uh, radio rock songs of of the entire era. Some extremely good shit there. So, yeah, probably would have come down to that. So... I, I just decided to go with Weird Al because I could. Nice. A. Power move, baby. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so that's our picks for the remix episode for 1999. But we're going to spin the wheel one more time. And hey, wouldn't you know it? It's landed it... on mailbag. <laughs> yeah. It hasn't finished spinning. Like, what, when, when. Okay, you, spin the wheel. Spin the wheel. All right, spin the wheel. <laughs> Mailbag! The the long forgotten emotion of correspondence. (laughs) Sometimes you feel mailbag. (laughs) Just feeling really mailbag. I'm feeling so mailbag right now. Um, So we we did, as we always do, um, ask you to get in touch with us. You can do that anytime and we're actually super psyched on it. But especially at this time... Business hours. Like... No. Not answering the phone at midnight. We've made it perfectly clear. <laughs> Don't email me. <laughs> Don't email. Uh, honestly, we will make a, a weekly mailbag if you guys fucking write in. If more. there's demand for if it. If there's demand. Even if you just send in letters or emails saying, I don't think there should be a weekly mailbag. <laughs> we'll, we'll, read we'll read that out. <laughs> we'll voice that voice. Every week. Yeah. <laughs> Please stop reading these out. <laughs> and I, like, I, Thank you very much for I've sending said, that in. I've said this before as well, but if you want like... If you want to use this podcast as a platform for your shit, you can. Like, if you if you want to read about this, if you want to read some of your like poetry online, you know, you know, just some tips with the script. It's, it's always poetry that you mm. you kind of. Hey, I, Andrew, I've done some beat poetry on the show. There's no shame there. Andrew, do you want to write some poetry? No, I just like thinking of it because I have such a wise brain. I just think of scholarly pursuits like poems and yeah, okay. formulas. <laughs> if you've got a if you've got a favorite formula you'd like read out, send yeah. it in. Yep. Mm. Yeah, okay. Lots of lots of brackets. Um, mm. oh. Please use the don't use take ones from the hard math wikis that I don't know how to read. Just do a simple right. formula like two plus six. No, I want brackets. Yeah. I want heaps of them. It's um, a uh, formula. <laughs> it's not a formula. It's a sum. It's a, sum. It's a <laughs> common or garden sum. <laughs> anyway, um, what do we? Who do we have? All right, you uh, get, you get here's, started. Here's an email from uh, Phil. Uh, Phil said, hi all, great season as always. Thanks. Uh, we shouldn't read f- out the compliments, it's kind of ego stroky. Yeah. Alright, well, I'll all let right. that one go through. I'll just, uh, <laughs> more compliments. More compliments. Want to Looking dicks. forward to hearing yeah. what you pick as your alternate songs from the list. Well, now Maybe you you've been horribly disappointed. Um, I've already <laughs> mentioned Trim Trab by Blur, and I think my favourite song from this year is Pitsula by Elliot Smith. Ah, uh, but I don't want to bring the mood down, so my pick goes to Five Lessons Learned by the Swingin' Utters. Hey, yeah, good shit. Scar or Scar adjacent? Uh, Yeah, it's like like, skate punk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. punk band. Good shit. Probably most recognizable from the Tony Hawk Pro Skater Two soundtrack. Uh, Same one as Guerrilla Radio. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) we probably know it too well. Know the first ten seconds before I reset the level (laughs) because I fucked up. Uh, I know the countdowns and the podcast affinity for soundtracks, so I have to point out that TH- oh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater came out in 1999. Yes. At 14, this soundtrack was absolutely formative in my ongoing appreciation of punk music. <laughs> Looking ahead to the 2000 countdown, I think the influence of late 90s skate culture, for better or worse, is clear in the songs that were popular. Cheers, yeah. Phil. Okay, cool. Good Good Phil. Yeah. Thank you for that one, Phil. Yeah, well, Andrew, well, who we got? Paul. Hi, Paul. Um, he says, hi, guys. <laughs> that, was, that was quick. Yeah, yeah that's it. Um, <laughs> We're on MSN right now. No, he says, um, he, he gives, again, compliments are there, and we appreciate them. Um, he said, enjoy reminiscing on uh, youthful escapades through music in 99. He says, in 99, I was in Brisbane. One of my favourite uh, O-Week um, events that I attended over my years at uni was the one that University of Queensland had the headline act of Tism. 
Oh my oh, god! You can't get away, baby. <laughs> um, but my flatmate slash friend did, and I encouraged them to come along. They were kind enough to hang around um, for the length of the set at the back. I uh, went a little crazy up front. It was February in Brisbane, so my friends wouldn't appreciate the sweaty man on the way home. <laughs> Great, that's, you got to be sweaty at Tizzle. Your um, mate. If you if you remember, if uh, Ron Hitler Barassi got his cock out at that show, please let us know, Paul. <laughs> um, another great memory attending Livid also. Um, in, in addition to the lineup, the lineup is mentioned below, which we'll say in a little bit. Um, I'd sprained my ankle the night before work, but it didn't stop me from going. It had some great performers, and it must have been before Alex Loy got big as a friend of mine. She was able to go up to the front and of uh, his set. I was there too, but that was beside the point. Garbage were awesome too. I'm not fucking. I'm very, very sure that garbage were fucking awesome in '99. Dude, fucking yeah, that would have slapped ass. Uh, my ultimate champ uh, for the fact that it keeps giving me a smile on my face. Even after 20 years, goes off to song number six off the countdown. The bad touch. Wait. Whoa! Heel <laughs> turn. Heel turn. Paul. But he like no, Paul. Tism. Oh, Paul. It's cool, man. It's cool, dude. That's fine, man. I'm sorry for dragging your favorite song the other week, bro. You're, you're obviously a great guy with great taste. I'm really sorry, Paul. What a but dog. Ultimate Chump. All of them are pretty good, even by mine. But that one sticks out, and the music video made it so shit me to tears. <laughs> so it was number four off the countdown. Praise you, Fat Boy Slim. Was his ultimate chump. Yeah, right. Oh, he's included the 99 livid lineup. And get a fucking look at this. Oh. It includes. Uh, also, Paul, thank you so much for your words and uh, the thoughts. Yeah, but thank the, you, Paul. The, the lineup from the livid that year is included here The Offspring, Garbage, Powderfinger, Suede, Spiderbait, Mercury Rev, Friends or Rom, UMI, Sebado, Not From There, Fountains of Wade, Cold Stone, Girling, Ben Lee, Alex Lloyd, Something for Kate, She Had, Violetine, Tooth Fairies, Drag, Taxi, Suicide Tendencies, Real Big Fish, Super Suckers, Area 7, Less Than Jake, 28 Days, John Lee Spider, Rebecca's Empire, Dead Star, <laughs> Kelly Lloyd and Tim Stewart, Jimmy Little, American Rosso, <laughs> Josh Abrahams, okay. Groove Terminator, and, and Sonic Animation. What? what a fucking lineup. Jesus Christ. Yeah, right. Paul, I have retroactive jealousy for that one, friend. Yeah, that would have been look, fucking tight as shit. You've played your card. You've played your card well. <laughs> Once again, thank you to everyone for writing in. This one comes from Michael. Hey, guys. Um, Hi. He said some nice things. Hey, man. Uh, so he's been ranking his favorite songs each year going backwards, and he finished his 1999 list just recently and had more fun than usual with this season. That's great. Uh, Champ is easily Last Kiss by Pearl Jam. Eddie is absolutely unstoppable in this one, which I feel is quite underrated by Pearl Jam fans, perhaps unfairly because of its commercial success. Yeah, Chump. Nathan. <laughs> Is easily down under by Pennywise. Oh yeah, that was this year. Oh, yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. cool. Right, that cool. wasn't great. Uh, lazy and predictable, and the sort of thing that a high school band would try purely because they couldn't think of anything else, but for no other good reason. Massive waste of time. I think we also said this out like a big yeah. cover for no reason. Yeah. yeah, I think that was just more concise and more savage. So good nice one, Michael. Um, favorite album of the year is Play from everyone's favorite geography teacher, Moby. My favorite song that didn't crack the hottest 100 is Muse, Unintended, a very gentle ballad, and Matt Bellamy's. Oh, Shit, that'd be off like the first Muse record. It would have been off Showbiz. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Very gentle ballad and Matt Bellamy's best ever vocal performance. Awkwardly, I like the Sun is Shining remix, so don't <laughs> at me. Some bold, <laughs> some bold takes oh, from Michael. Too, lo- too late you. for that, Thank man. Thank you, man. Too late. All right. Uh, we have another email here. It's from Crystal. Hey, guys. Long-time listener, first-time emailer, and constant utiliser of the phrase, Is that a bit? It is. It always is. It always is a bit. It's, yeah. it's never not a bit, is the answer to that. My favourite thing about that was... <laughs> Out of you finding out that I didn't come up with da 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 da. That's the that was the theme song to Late Night with Johnny Carson. In 
1999, I was a 14 year old who, the year before, had listened to far too much of the Smashing Pumpkins Adore. Uh, I was under the impression that I had a lot of depth. Yeah, sure. I, I felt the same when I was 14. This resulted in spending most of my time either lying on the floor in the dark, staring at the ceiling and listening to emotion sickness, or jumping on the backyard trampoline to falling away from me. Thank you, Skip Protection on the Discman. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Good shit. That's great. While those two songs remain permanent champ status for life, my 1995 top five is number five, Metallica, No Leaf Clover. Honestly, James could shout, yeah, with Lars doing a double bass kick and I'd be here for it. Where's yeah. The, where's the lie? Yeah. Uh, number four, The Living End, All Torn Down. Yep. We in Melbourne are still stuck with the wasteland that is the Docklands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Number three, Killing Heidi, Mascara. My plan to become Ella Hooper was massively stalled by a significant lack in musical talent. <laughs> it happens to the best of us. We all want to be Ella Hooper. Oh, I still do. Hi, Ella. Number two, Spider Bait, Plastic. The lyrics about daily drudgery, but the music makes me happy about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, honestly, like the Spider Bait stuff from this countdown, along with something for Kate, mm. some yeah. of my best discoveries. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And shout out to the Gurge as well. I think yeah. Australian music coming up real strong in terms of the discoveries for me in 99. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And number one, Corn Freak on a Leash. Yeah. Handy tip, set your alarm to play three minutes in. Being woken by Go! And those guitars, and you will never start your day below the level of fucking pumped ever again. Okay. <laughs> um, like, I have so much trouble waking up, and I'm a, I'm a demon for the snooze. I am a snooze demon. I am actually doing this. Yes! Go! I, I seriously think this may succeed where everything else has failed. Because I'm not going to get up because I look forward to the day. No. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man! <laughs> Wishing you all the five-star reviews and a powder finger free top ten. <laughs> Babe, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but... We appreciate the wish. Thank you yeah. so much. Yeah. Cheers, Thank you so much, everybody. I'm sure there were, there were messages that we received on Facebook and there were perhaps other emails as well. Um, and we do really appreciate all the words you guys do. Like, jokes and that, jokes and that aside... It's fucking lovely to hear from you people. And also, one of you goddamn sociopaths made a subreddit for us. <laughs> yeah! Um, so, yeah. no, joking aside, thank you very much. That's what What's up, Tim? Um, so, if you want to talk about the episode and talk about the times that Andrew mumbled too much. Um, all the times yeah. I swore too much. All these things that you want to get the bands going, talk about why we've got, we've got right and wrong on whatever basis you want. That's just reddit.com slash r slash hottest 100s and 1000s. And to the one moderator on there, don't say I don't know that you're referencing a Mastodon song from the best Mastodon album, Blood Mountain. How? That's his name. His, user, uh -huh. his username for Reddit is a reference to a Mastodon song. I see. And mm. I appreciate that. Yeah, okay. And before we uh, get out of here, we do have one last message from our dear friend and comrade, Decker. Can you hear me pumping on your stairs at bro? Can you hear me pumping on your stairs at bro? Can you hear me pumping on your stairs at bro? G'day, Hottest One Hundos. It's your old mate, Decker, back again to give you my top five of 99. Let's go. Enough farting around. Number five, the Test Eagles. Turn that shit up. Where were you guys on this one? This song rips. See, to me, these guys are like Rage Against the Machine, but better. They were doing that Tom Morello shit on the guitar, you know, going... Dun, dun, wow, and they did that rap thing, but they didn't try and tell you how to vote. Just how to crank up your stessa to the max. So why don't you guys relax and get your freak off? Number four, Orgy's Blue Monday. Now, this was like one of the best Leica versions ever. And this was in a year with some top-tier covers like Body Jars, Hazy Shade, and Down Under by Pennywise. You know, bands that took some old dusty 80s crap and beefed it up with a fat spoonful of Campbell's Chunky. 
but Orgy stands on top, I reckon. I know New Order did the original, but that doesn't mean it's the best, eh? Those old ones, they sound so fucking daggy and retro. New Order, more like New Older. Alright, number three, Never Had So Much Fun by Friends or Rom. Can I get real with you cunts for a second? From the moment I heard the first verse of this song, it's like a fluorescent light bulb turned on in my head. This is my story. This is my truth. I was that person and I smoked that many durries and I never had that much fun. And now, as I enter the sunset of my life, I wonder if I ever will again. Maybe it's okay that I won't. Maybe there's beauty in knowing that I've seen the best years and in accepting that, I'll find peace. Okay, number two, The Bad Touch by The Bloodhound Gang. This fucking song about fucking is fucking funny as fuck. And it's subtle humour as well, you know? You wouldn't know it was about sex until you listen closely to the lyrics. You just think it's about a doco or some shit. It's like their other song, Foxtrot Uniform Charlie Kilo. Subtle. And it brings me back to when I download a lot of those funny comedy songs off LimeWire, you know? I also really like that Weird Al Yankovic. Some of his stuff like, My Fart Will Go On, Weenie in a Bottle, Which Backstreet Boy Is Gay, and What If God Smoked Cannabis? But they couldn't crack the top 100, let alone the top 10 like this cracker. And finally, number one, You Shit Me To Tears By The Tenants. What an amazing, skanking good time. Huh. A lot of people actually say to me, Hey Decker, this song reminds me of you. And I still can't believe it only got number three in the countdown, though. I mean, I don't mind it losing to Killing Heidi. I am awoke after all. But I do get shat to tears about it losing to Powderfinger. Fucking what whiny twats. Why do people like them and vote so many of their songs into the countdown? Seriously, fuck these days. Fuck already gone. Fuck Good Day Ray. Uh, actually, that song kind of rips. But fuck Passenger and fuck Bernard right in the fanning. All right, guys, that's it from me. I'll catch you next year in the year 2000 with you. <coughs> All right, well, that brings us to the end of the remix <sighs> for 1999. We did it. Mm. Consider it remixed. And it means that there's only one thing left to do, which we've already done. We have already done it. <laughs> we already did it. There we go. Yeah. Kick the shoes off. Yep. And that is count down the last five songs, the top five, live in Canberra. Um, if you were there, well, this is your chance to finally get to relive it. And if you weren't there, this is your chance to live it. To live it. Yeah. <laughs> Life, be it. It's coming up next. On the behalf of Mr. Nathan Harrison. Um, I, this is, I just like a contractual thing. Uh, how many spiders were there? How many? We'll find that's out. All, yeah, that's what we'll find, find out. out soon. I don't know. <laughs> You'll find out soon. <laughs> I've painted myself into a very bad corner <laughs> this year, so and that, that corner will be illuminated next week. Uh, look forward to that. Mr. Andrew McDonald. Um, what, what's, what's in the car? <laughs> The whole time. What was it filled with? I fucking hope that's what the joke was. This <laughs> <laughs> so like, might make sense next week. But yeah. I can't promise anything, listeners. And to the other two people who have already done their bit throughout yeah, the course what? of the episode, go back and listen to it. <laughs> David James Young. <laughs> and I'm Adam Buncher. We will catch you in Canberra <laughs> next week. <laughs> But just listen to it. Don't go down to Canberra to see us. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't. We won't be there. Yeah, Don't yeah. come to our house. No, no, no. Well, I mean, go to Canberra for yeah. um, the, all the many other reasons that they're right yeah. to go to Canberra, but not because right, we'll be there. The I nearly tram. went down on Friday. Ride the tram, tram bro. <laughs> you can go there in your mind with us next week. Uh, catch you then. Mm-hmm.